What's up, NFL fans? Welcome to a Super Bowl edition of Four Down Territory. Alongside Doug Farrar, as always, I'm your host, Luke Easterling. And Doug, no shortage of uh, of compelling topics after that dramatic game, right? Gave us a fantastic game right up until the end, I think, for a lot of fans. Um, but uh, but let's dive, let's dive right into it, right? we got a lot of action to talk about. We have to start where so much of the conversation started last night. The well, defensive we, have start, call. we have to start with the fact that nobody can talk to you this week because Rondé Barber made the Hall of Fame. That's fine with me. We can start there. Well, I'll point to the back of the jersey. Let's yeah. go. I, hey, and and the, the cherry on top of that weekend, by the way, was at the game where the Eagles are in the Super Bowl. They announced the Hall of Fame class on the field, and all of the Eagles fans immediately rained down booze on Rondé Barber because 20 years later, they mm. still hate that man just as much as they did when he shut down the vet. That's how you know you've done something right, right? When an entire well, fan base still hates you. When you know, Walter later. Payton, man of the year, I mean, you know, they booed Santa Claus because they lost O.J. Simpson. Then. Yep. At least there were no frozen batteries, right? Yeah. Alleg- allegedly. That allegedly we, frozen we, batteries. That you know of. That we know of, allegedly. Anyway, yeah, speaking right, of so, allegedly, let's get into a certain uh, – Yeah, yeah. Allegedly <laughs> defensive holding on James Bradbury, right? Yeah. Two minutes left. What, minute 54 left in the game? Uh, you get the uh, the hold call that would have been obviously a fourth down, and the, and the Chiefs would have had to kick the field goal and given the uh, the Eagles some time to work with there to, to – respond to that score and maybe give us a a better ending. Instead, you get the defensive holding call. They run the clock out. They kick the field goal. I mean, we got the explanation uh, after the game from Carl Jeffers, the the referee, but is that how you envision this? How do you feel about that whole situation? I guess everybody's got an opinion on here. How do you feel about the way that call and that end of that game transpired? Well, I mean, yeah, it's not how you want a Super Bowl to end. And Bradbury said after the game, Basically, yes, it was a hold. I thought they would let it slide. And one of the reasons he thought they would let it slide is earlier in the game, uh, he had interfered with Juju Smith-Schuster, who same guy he held on this play, and the right. ref let it slide. So he's thinking, okay, we're playing by Legion of Boom rules, and I can do pretty much whatever I want. I get that. But, Luke, I don't know how many four-down territories we've had. Over half during the season, we talked about horrible subjective officiating. And with all that talk, I find it funny that people are outraged about the call in that situation. I hate the idea that you don't call a penalty with two minutes left in the Super Bowl, that you should call the same way in a Week 18 snore fest between the Falcons and the Bears. If it's holding, it's holding. And it was holding. He grabbed his jersey. I mean, that, that. and, and Bradbury said, yeah, I held. I thought they'd let it slide. If you're going to call that in the season during a game nobody cares about, you have to call it here. I, I know people hate it. I know there's already so much subjectivity in officiating. We see where that gets us. I did not at all enjoy the way the, end, the Super Bowl ended. I would have much preferred for the Chiefs to kick that field goal and then Jalen Hurts, who played his butt off in that game. Oh, my God. And, you know, and then he gets to respond, and we, you know, maybe it goes into overtime and all that. I, you know, I get it. But as much as I'm generally eager to blame officials for this, this wasn't on Carl Sheffers and his crew. This is on Bradbury. He admitted it as the stand-up guy he is, and that's where we should leave it. If you start asking officials to legislate games so that we have more attractive endings, then you open the Pandora's box and you're one big step closer to the conspiracy theories that, that fans like to speculate about. It's like, well, we want to make this a little more exciting. And then those conspiracy theories become true. So I did not like the way the Super Bowl ended. It was an amazing game up until that point. And then it kind of went for, so yes, I, 
from a from a game script perspective, you would have liked to see them keep the flag in the pocket, especially when Bradbury got away with it before in the game against the same receiver. But if we're going to call these things, we have to call them. That's kind of where I am with it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where this all comes down to me. It's not that I want the referees to purposefully ensure that we get a more exciting ending if there's a call that needs to be made. But again, this all comes back to the, the strike zone thing for me, right? Yeah. It's like you said, Bradbury thought they were going to call that play the same way they called it for 3.9 quarters. And I can't blame a guy for thinking that, right? It's, again, through the pitching analogy, if you – if you know an umpire has given you a strike on the outside of the plate that's barely off the plate, technically it's not a strike. He gives you that call for eight innings, and then you come back to that pitch in the ninth, and all of a sudden it's not a strike. You're going to be ticked off, and rightfully so, and I think that's what happened here. So, again, it's it's not for me about the, the refs ensuring that we get an exciting inning. It's the fact that one should have organically happened if they had called the game the same way the whole time. That's the only problem I have with it. I don't have a problem with people – pointing out that you can't leave it up to that. That defense played like hot garbage for most of that game and especially most of the second half, especially in the red zone. So for that defense to complain about anything at all would be silly. I think, again, it's just from a fan perspective, all the issues we've had with officiating all year long, it's like, oh, now you want – like now is the moment where you feel like, oh, I got to stand on – on the call, it was the that's that's the call we got to make, no matter what the time is. Yeah, I agree. You should call it the same way you should call a week eighteen game in totality. In in and in that moment, it, every play for itself, that's fine. But in the greater context of the way they called that game, that's why I think everybody's aggravated because it's a play that should have been let go because it was let go up to that point, and it would have organically given us that ending. I think that's why everybody's ticked off. Well, and you wonder if Cheffer's got a, a hit from the command center in New York City saying, hey, you guys blew that pass interference call. If anything like that happens again, you have to call it. That's right. not saying we want the game to be more exciting. That is to say that the command center is telling him, hey, you can't miss multiple calls like this, although they do right. all the time. Um, but in that moment, you don't want people saying, and this would have been just as you know controversial, Bradbury got away with two of them and you know however the game right. ended at that point it's it's still a thing so um you know yeah I just I, I think there's so many things wrong with officiating now and the more you make it subjective I think the more you're just leading to more problems if you call it in week 18 and a game nobody cares about you have to call it with two minutes left in the Super Bowl sorry that's just the way it is and the fact that they called it they, they got the penalty wrong before uh, it's entirely possible, now that I think of it, that that was a makeup call. That Sheffields had been told if that happens again, if Bradbury even breathes on Juju Smith right. or any other Chiefs receiver, you throw that flag. And then Sheffields is like telling his crew at halftime because the PI, I think, happened in the, the second quarter that was uncalled. Sheffields uh, is t- telling his crew at halftime look, anything happens with Bradbury, we have to put a, you know, a target on him. Which does happen. This is also what happens, Doug, when you spend 20 weeks not giving yourself any reason to have the benefit of the doubt, right? In terms of officiating. <laughs> this is also true, yes. Which they have not done one bit. And that's probably not going to get any better. So <laughs> it's probably, yeah. it probably not. Hey, let's move on to the happy stuff, right? Let's yes. move, on, move on to what went right in this game. And what went right was Patrick Mahomes, right? All of the amazing things he's done in his career up to this point, he did not play well in those first two Super Bowls he no. had, even the win. Um, again, you go back to the stats, 20 of 31 for 219, one touchdown, two picks against the 49ers in a game they won. And then the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay two years ago, 26 of 49, 270, no touchdowns, two interceptions, 
uh, in that blowout loss to Tampa Bay. This game was a different story, right? Even the low passing yard totals, but 21 of 27 for 182, three touchdowns through the air, no interceptions. The clutch run on the gimpy ankle at the end of the game that, that set up the game-winning field goal. I mean, at this point, two-time Super Bowl MVP, two-time NFL MVP. He's 27 years old, won't turn 28 until the season already starts uh, coming in 2023. Travis Kelsey said after the game that he's already the greatest quarterback of all time. Obviously, he's a little biased, but let's look at this, right? It might be a bit of a stretch at this point, but where would you put Mahomes right now in that all-time QB pantheon, and and do you see a path forward for him to be the greatest of all time by the time he's done? Yeah, Travis Kelsey also kept saying, everyone slept on the Chiefs. Don't give it like, dude, we all picked you to win this or at least go to the Super Bowl. What do you think? The un- the Chiefs underdog narrative was my my favorite ridiculousness of the week. For sure. Yeah, you just won the Super Bowl. Relax. Um, running Mahomes, the most insane stat from that Super Bowl was Mahomes' numbers before and after the first half ankle injury, which at, for a moment you wonder, oh, God, it's a Chad Henney game. Uh, kudos to Henney, by the way, for retiring and securing the, the all-time sideline. Uh, it's like $40 million. Nice job. Yes. So pre-ankle injury, Mahomes completed 8 of 13 passes for 89 yards and a touchdown. Uh, after the ankle injury, he completed 13 of 14 passes for 93 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he also ran for 11 yards before the injury and 33 yards after, including that amazing run that you talked yep. about. Um, he's done most of the stuff he's done in the postseason with that same ankle injury. It happened early in the divisional running against the Jaguars, and there just doesn't seem to be anything that will stop him. I would say that he's a top three quarterback in NFL history right now, and at this rate, he could retire as the GOAT. I don't really have any question about that. The guy has never been – he's never not been to a conference championship game as an NFL starter. It's ridiculous. He's never had a road playoff game, Luke, that wasn't a Super Bowl. Think about that. He's yeah. never had a road playoff game that wasn't a Super Bowl. It's it, – it, hey – and unlike you look like Tom Brady and a lot of other young quarterbacks who eventually got the hang of it after you know at an all-time level, Mahomes was asked to be the guy from his first season. He was the starter, which was the right. second NFL season. He responded by well, all he did was throw fifty touchdowns and you know become the MVP. Uh, Brady threw forty-six touchdown passes combined in his first two seasons as a starter. <laughs> Mahomes is unquestionably setting the bar at a, at a level we've never seen before. Oh, and he did this all this year without Tyreek Hill in a radically modified passing game and with a run game that was MIA in the first half of the season. Uh, is he the greatest of all time? I still put it on a Brady, but Patrick Mahomes is an alien. He should always be regarded as such. And if he retires, hopefully way down the road, uh, as the best quarterback of all time in everyone's mind, it wouldn't surprise me at all. No, no, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And, and again, regardless of – I feel like this conversation has so many variables, right? It's what are your criteria and how do you measure it, right? Is it the most talented quarterback? Is it the most accomplished quarterback? There's so many different ways to slice it. So to me, it kind of boils down. It's kind of like the NBA debate, right? Is, you know, they're going to be your team Jordan or team LeBron or team Kobe or team who I, I frankly don't necessarily care. And I could try to care and pretend to care for the sake of debate, but it's like, I'm just happy that we get to watch it all, right? I'm happy we got to watch 23 years of Tom Brady winning seven Super Bowls. I don't know that anybody will ever get close to seven Super Bowls. I, I definitely don't think anyone will play 23 years as well as Tom Brady did ever again at quarterback position. But I don't think that should necessarily take away. He was in his 40s and he did in his 20s. Exactly. You know, it, but, but again, I feel like he's broken. That's one. Right. And I feel like that longevity is a variable that he will have that no one else will. But right. I don't think that should detract from 
Mahomes case to be the goat in his own way, I guess. I think they're very different quarterbacks. Yep. I think there are things that and, and Tom Brady said this word for word, if I'm not mistaken, the year that they were in the Super Bowl and in their kind of dueling press conference that they did together, which is basically, you know, he's already able to do things that I could never dream of doing. You know, right. I think there's just there's nothing there's so much about his skill set that Tom Brady would just never be able to replicate. So it's it is about, you know, accomplishment versus talent sometimes and, and all of those different things. To me, I just don't care. Right. I'm so glad I got to watch Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. So many of those guys in that generation. I'm so glad we get to watch what we saw Sunday night, again, to bring Jalen Hurts back into the conversation. So many good, young, talented quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. I mean, I'm just so excited for this next generation to kind of move into that. Now that Tom Brady's finally ended that era, right? He hung on for another four or five years after a lot of those guys. Uh, But this this current era of quarterback play, Lamar Jackson, again, Jalen Hurts, so many of these guys – I think Justin Fields has some t- has yeah. the ability to rise to that level in the right situation if they build around him. I'm so excited to watch this generation of quarterbacks into the next one, Trevor Lawrence. So many names we could mention. I'm so excited as a football fan, um, and I'm just going to enjoy it. I don't care who you put at number one, to be honest. I think I would need a document with a notary, repu- notary public before I believe Brady's retired, but that's just me. I mean, I, I can't blame you at this point, right? I, I really can't. Yeah. I'll believe it when he goes into the Hall of Fame, like yeah. when he finally, when he doesn't reset the clock at some point. Right? Like 53. Oh, well, now that I'm in the Hall of Fame, I'm going to come back and throw right. a few touchdowns. I'll go back with the gold jacket on. I will show up to play in the gold jacket. Yes. Why not? Why not? Sure. Speaking of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl five, Dallas Cowboys linebacker Chuck Howley became the first and only player to <laughs> win the Super Bowl MVP for the losing team, right? Um, I I feel like I know how I feel about this, but is there a credible argument here for Jalen Hurst in the game he played and, and where does this performance put him among the NFL quarterbacks today? I know I just mentioned him. I'd put him in that, in that upper tier Mm -hmm. and he's still super young. What what can you say about that performance last night, Doug? And what does this means for his, his projection moving forward? Well, we're not for the fumble that Chiefs linebacker Nick Bolton returned for a touchdown in the first half. I think there's an absolutely legitimate case for Hurst to be the MVP no matter what happened in the game. Uh, yep. Of course, were it not for that fumble, the Eagles might have won that game and then Hurts is the MVP anyway. So, yeah, there you go. But this guy is one season removed from people wondering if he could even be the Eagles' starting quarterback, much less the franchise quarterback. And in the biggest game of his life, he completed 27 of 38 passes for 304 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. He also, oh, by the way, ran 15 times for 70 yards and three touchdowns. He has, uh, per ESPN Stats and Info, two games this season, once against the Bears and in this game, where he threw for over 300, ran for over 50, and had three rushing touchdowns. He has two of those games. No one else has one in NFL history. Yep. Um. He's one of the NFL's best pocket passers. Sorry, Robbie Gould. Wait, uh, what? I'm yeah. sorry. Say that again uh, for everybody in the back. Oh, by the way, in the in the Super Bowl, he went 25 of 31 for over 200 yards and the 45-yard touchdown pass to A.J. Brown, which was ridiculous from the pocket as a quarterback. Uh, never listen to kickers when it comes to this kind of stuff. Sorry. Reminder uh, on that play for everyone, by the way, throwing to beat double coverage is not the same thing as throwing into double coverage. No, exactly. Beat double coverage with a perfect throw. Thank you. Um, he's what? So one of the NFL's best pocket passers. And anyone who can't see that isn't watching football intelligently or correctly. Uh, but it's the ways in which he amplifies and perfects the Eagles run game that sets him apart. There are all kinds of ways to win in the NFL. Hurts seems to, at this point in his career, and he's, what, 24? He understands, and he's able to draw from all of them 
And that, to me, makes him a top-five quarterback in the NFL today without question. And, you know, we talk about Mahomes and all he's done. Hurts is just getting started, you know. They have a lot of free agents. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you want to know, right. like, what's this guy going to be doing when he's Mahomes' age? Just all kinds of potential there. Yeah, I think that was really the biggest disappointment for me yeah. in this game was the fact that I knew if they didn't win for whatever reason, especially after the fumble, that that his incredible performance in this game was going to be swept under the rug by so many people. And again, he was masterful for most of this night, made big plays as a passer, both from the pocket and outside the pocket. When things broke down, he made some big plays and clutch moments. And after the fumble, responded, right? Went right back down, led him right back to the end zone, helped him build that two-score lead after the fumble. So the mental toughness, the leadership, all those intangibles that you want in your quarterback to be able to bounce back from a mistake on the biggest stage. Mentally, it takes so much to bounce back from that and then physically to respond to that and, and go make the plays to, to overcome that. He did all of that, right? Mm -hmm. The fumble was crushing, though. And, and I understand that it did make such a huge difference, obviously, in a one-score game. But the totality of the game, the loss is way more on the defense, way more on the special teams play and allowing the big punt returns and, and so many different things that will overshadow the fact that he gave his team the best chance to win. And I've said it this, this whole time through these two weeks that Jalen Hurts is the biggest reason they are in this game. Yes. And he was the biggest reason they had a chance and, and really should have won that game if they had a defense that, that had shown up last night. Well, A, he's not the system quarterback. He's a system. B, one of the people... It's almost yeah. like you wrote an entire really great piece about that for, mm. for Touchdown Wire, Doug. Did you do that? Uh, possibly. Uh, one person after the game who went out of his way to point out that Hurts was incredible and the loss should not sweep his performance under the rug was a guy named Patrick Mahomes at the podium right after the game. Who am I going to listen to when it comes to the other quarterbacking? Patrick Mahomes or some kicker? Hmm, I don't know. Kickers, man. Kickers, man. Love it. Hey, listen, a lot went wrong for the Eagles. We talked about the defense, the special teams, the fumble. At the worst possible time, right? Super Bowl, biggest stage, and, and these are the types of mistakes you're seeing. But do you think they can get back to this level, right? It, it Was this the, the, the plateau for this Eagles team? And I know we talked about they got a lot of free agents coming around. Was, was, was this a one-off for them, or are they going to be around for a while? I think they're going to be, I mean, you and I, not to bring this up, we both blew our predictions. We both picked the Eagles to win, and we both yeah, had yeah. a lot of reasons for doing so. I talked to a lot of, like, is there any way the Chiefs win this? And it was like, well, unless Patrick Mahomes has one of his Patrick Mahomes games, which he did, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any question as long as they take well, the, the, the free agent list. It's Jason Kelsey, who may retire. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave, James Bradbury, TJ Edwards, Kazir White, Isaac Siomalo, Miles Sanders, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. That's like half your secondary, two-fifths of your offensive line, both of your starting linebackers. It's a lot. They also have about $8.3 million estimated cap space for 2023, and there aren't a lot of obvious hits to free up cap room. Like, yeah. Cut this guy and save $20 million. They don't have that. Um, because they pushed all their chips in for this year. That said, they also have the 10th and 30th picks of the 2023 draft. They have four picks in the top 95. Howie Roseman is a freaky wizard, and the coaching staff is great as long as they hold that together, although Shane Steichen might go to the, the Colts. Jonathan Gannon might be going to Arizona. I don't know. Uh, but Nick Sirianni, he's got it on lock, I think, and this team doesn't strike me as one that will be particularly susceptible to a Super Bowl loser's hangover. Um, I would more trust this organization to overcome that than most. They have a lot to overcome, but I don't see why they can't do it. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I don't see why they can't do it either. And again, you've got the most important things, right? This yep. organization has been one of the best in the league when it comes to, in recent years, some of the decisions they've made really at every level, coaching, player personnel. They've obviously got one of the most dynamic franchise quarterbacks in the league. They've got, again, the coaching staff thing is really where it's going to get interesting for me. How do they replace, if they lose both of those coordinators, mm-hmm. do they promote from within? Can they keep some of those guys within instead of having those guys follow the the coaches who are leaving for bigger jobs and other with other teams? Um, but But again, the way this team is built now, I trust the front office, I trust the coaching staff, and I trust the fact that they have, again, a young quarterback to build around who they should absolutely pay as soon as they can. Um, I, I don't think this is a one-off. I think this team isn't just built for the, for the foreseeable future, but they are a type, the type of organization that has proven that they know how to continue to build in that way and adjust and shift uh, in ways that they need to. I think they'll figure it out. I think they'll be right back in that conversation next year. Yeah, and it's good to note that both these teams, the Chiefs have done so much in, in the draft in the last few years with these, you know, later round guys and the way Howie Roseman just <laughs> the, Gar- the Gardner Johnson trade and, and yep. picking Hassan Reddick up for basically nothing. Um, you know, they're both. And let's not ignore Doug. We're talking about the NFC. Who, who Who's going to challenge them in the NFC, to be yeah, honest? Yeah, there is that. Uh, AFC is a lot tougher, but um, yeah, I, I I think if this Super Bowl happened again next year, I don't think it'd be the biggest surprise. Nope, I don't think it'd be a big surprise at all, uh, Doug. That's going to do it for us. The Super Bowl, the season is over. That you want to talk about Super Bowl hangover, man? I think we're all going to have to deal with that this week. That uh, football season is over, but hey, it's not going to be over for us. We got the NFL scouting combine coming up. It's draft season officially. It's been draft season for me for. Uh, I don't know, 23 years now, yeah. uh, but uh, it's going to be draft season big time for everybody in the next uh, few weeks. So we will be back next week. We will have combine talk. We'll have draft talk. Free agency is coming up. Coaching changes. We'll have so much still to talk about next week. So again, for Doug Farrar, as always, I'm Luke Easterling, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone.